episode number 71. And there's no comparison to the life that you will have. A life of spirituality, of ruchnias, of happiness. Welcome to the Torah Podcast. Lessons from authentic Judaism. Get the tools and inspiration you need for personal growth. Hosted by Rabbi Mitterhoff. Shalom, this is Rabbi Eliyahu Mitterhoff with this week's Torah Podcast. The Torah portion of the week is Vikitetse, Fight for Your Life, The War Against Passion. We're going to have a powerful parable about the captives, a great story about Shach, and peace in your home, your spouse comes from heaven. And now, the Torah portion of the week, with novel ideas from the classic commentaries. So the verses start out in this week's Parsha. When you go out to war against your enemies, and Hashem your God will deliver him into your hand, and you will capture its people as captives. And you will see among its captivity a woman who is beautiful of form, and you will desire her, and you will take her for yourself as a wife. You shall bring her to the midst of your house, and she shall shave her hair, and she shall do her nails, and she shall remove the garment of her captivity from upon her, and she shall sit in your house, and shall weep for her father and mother for a full month. Afterwards you will come be able to come to live with her, and she shall be a wife to you. And then a couple of pesukim later, if, after this all happens and you wind up having a child with her, you're going to wind up with a child who's a wayward son, a ben tzara Like it says, if a man will have a wayward and rebellious son who does not listen to the voice of his father and to the voice of his mother, and they discipline him, but still he doesn't listen to them, then his father and mother shall grasp him and take him out to the elders of his city and to the gate of his place. They shall say to the elders of the city, This son of ours is wayward and rebellious, and he doesn't listen to your voice. He is a glutton and a guzzler. All the men of the city shall pelt him with stones, and he shall die. And you shall destroy the evil from among your midst, and Israel shall hear, and they shall fear. So you have this whole sequence of events. Man goes to war, sees this beautiful woman. He has to wait for her 30 days in order to marry her. And then what's going to happen? He's going to have this wayward son, and they're going to have to kill him. So many of the Mephorshim, and specifically the Orchayim, explain this is talking about the war against the Eight Sahara, the war against a man's inclination. He goes out to war and he sees this beautiful woman. This is the war against passion. So what does the Orchayim say? As long as the Jewish people act in accordance with the Torah precepts, the universe remains intact, and there's joy in heaven and earth. Even God himself is happy and rejoices in the fact that there's a Jewish people. The proper conduct of the Jewish people in turn depends on the ability to vanquish its evil urge. This verse, when it says that a man should go to war, comes to remind man that when his soul leaves heaven and he goes into his body, he must be prepared for the struggle with his evil urge. He should not believe that no special value is needed in order to overcome the spiritual negative forces. On the contrary, this struggle is called a milchama, it's called a war. We are at war with our passions. And this is what the sages had in mind in Perkyavos when it says, Mia Gibor, who is the true hero? The person who conquers is Yetzirah, who wins in this war. And that's why in the Pasuk it didn't say to, to war, it didn't say just any war. It said, La Muhammad, to the war. What is the war? The war against the Yetzirah, the war that every human being has. He continues and he says, Rather, it's a war, which if the victor relaxes his guard even momentarily, even after having scored a victory, his enemy is liable to revive and destroy him a minute later. 
But the Torah assures us that even though the evil urge is extremely tough and his resources are much greater than ours, God will give this adversity to our, to our hands, what the Pasuk says, if we, have, if we are actively engaged in fighting him. But the best we can hope is that he'll disappear for a while. And what does it mean? He'll give him over to your hands. You'll be victorious. You will reclaim your soul. You're fighting for your own soul. You control over your own life. That you'll be able to live in a holy and a pure way. So what does the Chavetz Chaim say on this? He brings the Gemara in Brachos 5a. A person must always stir up his Yetzir Tov, his good inclination, against his Yetzir It has to be a constant process. We have to be proactive and we have to be preemptive. We have to be using the good against the Tov in a very active way. And he brings a muscle that if you have two business partners and one partner steals against the other one, and the other partner says, hey, where's the money? And he knows the guy stole it. He knows the money's gone. And even though the money's gone and there's no way for him to get it back, he still has to yell at the guy. Why? Because for the next time. Okay, he lost that time. He lost the money. But he has to yell at the guy to make sure the guy understands that he's on top of the situation. And the same story with the evil connection. You have to constantly have your eyes on him. And he's always setting up traps for us. He can even get us to do mitzvahs. He looks like he's a good partner. But you always have to have your eyes on him because he's not a good partner. The Chavetz Chaim continues and says, He's our constant associate in life. And his main goal is to stop us from observing Torah and doing mitzvahs. And sometimes what he does, he tricks us, even allows us to do mitzvahs. But in the end, he's going to trip us up. So what does the Chavetz Chaim say to do? He says the best course of action to spur on when Yesh is told, how do you strengthen your good inclination? That's through Torah study. When a man studies Torah, HaKadosh Baruch who distanciates the horror from him. And that's why it's for mitzvah for every Jew to constantly learn Torah. Torah is the antidote against the Yetzirah. But if the situation gets so bad that that doesn't work, as Chavetz Chaim says, so then he should say Shema, and he should accept upon himself the yoke of heaven, that he has to serve God. And if it gets even worse and it doesn't help, he should think about his day of death. And that's what it means to go into war against your enemy. You have to have a preemptive strike. You have to get him before he gets you. I just want to read from the Ramchal in the book, The Way of God, chapter 4. He speaks on human responsibility. He says, As discussed earlier, man consists of two opposites, a body and a soul. It is obvious, however, that the physical is the dominant in man, and its influence is very strong. When an individual is born, he is almost completely physical with the mind having only very small influence. And as he matures, his mind continues to gain influence, depending on the individual's nature. However, the physical does not automatically relinquish his influence and stop inclining the individual towards his nature. The only way he can overcome the physical is by growing in wisdom, becoming versed in it, abiding by its ways, and then he will be able to overcome his physical nature, keep his desires firmly bridled, and fortify himself to follow his intellect. Even though the soul is intrinsically pure and lofty, as soon as it associates itself with the physical body and becomes entangled with the material world, it becomes divorced from its true nature and is influenced towards something that is its precise opposite. As long as the soul remains in the body, it is imprisoned by a restraining power, and unless it can overcome this power, it cannot act freely. The soul must therefore be able to work, strengthen itself, and gradually weaken the power of the physical, and thus bring enlightenment to the body. 
The body then becomes able to elevate itself together with the soul so that both can experience the highest light. So we see from the Ramchal, this is our predicament, a body and a soul, and who's going to win? If we strengthen our intellect, the intellect will win. But if we do not actively work on it, the body is surely going to win. So you'll say, let the body win. What can I do? What's the problem? Do I have to be such a sadik? have to be such an intellect? So I go after my body. So Rabbeinu Baki explains, and he brings the verse from Proverbs 23-27 that says, For a harlot is a deep pit, and a foreign woman is a narrow well. And he suggests that one who approaches the entrance of a house of a harlot will not escape the trap and damage which harlotry entails. And just as someone who falls into a narrow well will not escape some damage, the same happens to anyone who gives into the dictates of his eyes and his heart. What's the problem exactly? He wants to explain. The example of the alien woman is compared to a narrow well means that even if the alien woman is not engaged in promiscuous sexual activity, the fact that someone has his eyes on her all the time is like he draws from the well. And the nature of things is the more water you draw from the well, the water, water that's going to fill the well. And it never ends. That's the problem. People should devote their hearts and their eyes to a spiritual part of life, to God, and not to the material part of life characterized by our cravings. It is these cravings, or rather our giving into them, which results in people forfeiting both their life on earth and the hereafter. Why? The brief enjoyment resulting in indulging in one's cravings is not worth what we have to give up in exchange. This is unbelievable. And he says, and that's why even an army of the Jewish people in the middle of war, they still had to maintain standards of sanctity. So they shouldn't run after their passions. Because it's a bottomless pit. That's the problem. Once a person starts to draw from the waters of the passions of this world, he wants more and more and more. And his whole focus of life is on those things. He can't get enough. And this is not the way that a person's going to be happy. You want to be happy, you have to build your inner world. If a person draws from the outer world, he's going to draw more and more, and his whole focus is going to be out. And it's a devilly self. It's something without any end. The more you have, the more you want. Anybody who has may, he wants time. If he has time, if he has 200, he wants 400. And it just keeps going on and on. Therefore, the Torah is telling us, we have to fight against this Yitzhara. We have to build our inner world, our intellect. And that's why all Judaism is involved with books, with learning, thinking, the inner world, the spiritual world. And that's why religious Jews are constantly in the base Midrash, in the Hall of Study. And they go to Daven, in the Beit Knesset. We're always inside. We're building our inner world. But Ravobi explains that the Pasuk's telling us, even a person who's building his inner world, he has to be careful. Because what does the verse say? Ki When you go out, when you go out to war. So he explains that every time in the Torah it says you'd see it, it's a bad thing. Why? It said, Dina, the daughter of Leah, went out. What happened? And she got raped. And then it says, the son of a Jewish woman went out. And he cursed Hashem. That's the Nevaikra. He also went out. And then it says, Korach and his cards, they went out. Dasan Vavriyam went out. All these bad guys, they went out. And as soon as they go out, that's where the trouble begins. Except, we do have an exception to the rule. It says, and Yaakov went out. He went out from Beersheba. So why is it that by Yaakov, when he went out, everything was okay? And when everybody else went out, it was bad news? 
The answer is that Yaakov was an exception to the rule. Yaakov was an Adam Ashalem, a complete person, a totally spiritual person. He had control over his Yitzhar, so his going out was not a problem. But the average person, even Tzadikim, we know that who went out to war? Only the righteous people went out to the war. If he wasn't righteous, he couldn't go out to the war. So if Chetzko Levenstein asked the question, what, these guys are spiritual giants. Why do we allow a non-Jewish woman in such a case? Because we're worried that maybe they're going to go against the Torah. So we allow a heter, we matir such a thing, we allow it to leave a place for the Eight Sahara. Why do we do such a thing? These people are Sadiqim. The answer is no, they went out. And when you go out, <laughs> the bayati, it's a big problem. Because when a person goes out into the world, into unknown territory, he says, he becomes vulnerable to the temptations that lurk outside of the home, outside of the base midrash, in the world. He broke his regular routine. A guy who breaks his regular routine, he's susceptible to all kinds of situations. So the answer is that we should try not to go out. We should try to be in the basement. We have to build our inner world. That's the focus of our lives. But the question is, why would a person want to do that? The nature of man is to go out and to run after the tabas of the world and to be drawn after them more and more and more. How does a person switch gears? So the Lord Chaim wants to explain. The verse said, When you see a beautiful woman. What does it mean when you see a beautiful woman? On one side, it can mean you see really a beautiful woman and you're running after the physical world. But if you look at it internally, the beautiful woman is who? Is your own soul. When you see your own soul, you will be drawn after that light. He says, this is the woman who has been captured. The soul that's been captured. But Puitom, all of a sudden, he sees her beauty. He says the Satan, the Yed Sahara, is only able to take the soul into captivity, what's it's become inseparable from the body? And this nephesh is called an isha, female. And beautiful, why beautiful? It's because her soul is intrinsically very beautiful indeed. And it's only to shabbat herself by the means of the sin that were committed by the body it inhabits. Once man conquers his evil inclination, he will realize how truly beautiful his nephesh really is. And the verse said, and you will desire her. What does that mean? This means a time will come where you will truly desire her, your soul, instead of the desire you have previously displayed for the seductive inclinations of your evil urge. If a person keeps plugging away day after day to work on himself and to learn and to introspect and to build his intellect and to build his inner world, soon eventually will come he'll start to see the beauty of spirituality. He'll feel the light inside of his soul. And then the desires for the world drop. You don't need to go to the mall. You don't need to go shopping. You don't need to go running around. You become happy internally. You see the beauty of the Torah, the Chedushim, the wonderful things that are written in the Torah, the Gemara, the Talmud. You start to have a drive. You want to run to the base Midrash. You're happy. It's Sameach. It's Chedushim. It's new ideas. It's expanding your mind and your soul. You desire it. So instead of drawing waters from this bottomless pit of women and desires and passions and shopping and consumerism and who knows what, you change gears, you change directions. You start to draw from the waters of your soul. And there's no comparison to the life that you will have. A life of spirituality, of ruchnias, of happiness. But it's not a simple transformation. And that's why it says, that this woman's going to sit in your house for 30 days and she's supposed to mourn over her family. She has to mourn over her Avodah Zarah. 
her idol worship. And why 30 days? Because it doesn't happen overnight. It happens little by little. And Orachim says the 30 days apply to what? This is the 30 days of Elul. This month, the month before Rosh Hashanah, these 30 days are the 30 days where we can let go of our old life. Let's mourn over it. Let's forget about it. Okay, we're attached to it. And that's what we need to mourn over. It, and that's why we need 30 days to get over it. But let's get over it now during Elul that we can come to Rosh Hashanah before the Melech, before the King. And say, no, I want to change directions. I want to go towards spirituality. I want to draw from the wells of Ruchnius, the waters of, the, of my soul. But it doesn't just mean that I'm going to be happy when I'm in the basement. Why not? No. Why? Because the Svas Emes says, look what he says. Ki teitze, when a man goes out to war. Ki bakol davar yesh nekul dechius, ma'ashem yisparach, rakshinister na'alam, in every single thing. There is a dot, a nakuda of life from Hashem, only that it's hidden and you can't see it. And you need to make a war and work hard all your days in order to bring out this spirituality. So once a person starts to go in this direction according to the Svas Emmets, he starts to see spirituality in everything. And everything is holiness. Nothing could exist if there wasn't the chius, the life force that Hashem's putting into it. So at that point, your whole life becomes infused with spirituality. So I just want to end off with the shame of Shmuel who has a problem. We know the continuation of this story. If the man goes to Machama and then he takes his farm woman and he lives with her and he has a child, there's going to come out to be a Soramora. There's going to come out to be this rebellious son. So we ask the Kasha. This kid just turned 13 years old. And he's a rebellious son, and his parents are going to take him. They see this kid is completely off of derech, and they're going to take him and have him killed. It never happened, by the way, and it never will happen. But let's say you had all the conditions that you need to, be, to meet to have this rebellious son. So he asks, what happened to Tshuva? Wait a second, why are you killing this kid? He's only 13 years old. He's got a whole life ahead of him. How do you know this kid, it says, because Al says he's going to wind up to steal the money of his father, and he's going to wind up in the crossroads, he's going to wind up killing people. Who knows what he's going to do? But we don't kill people. Right now, what did he do now? He drank some wine. He ate some meat. He's not listening to his parents. We kill him? What happened to tshuva? Every person could do tshuva. Every person could come back to God. At a certain point, you could change your mind, change direction, and come back. Why are we killing this kid off now? And we don't judge people on their future. We know Chazal tells us, for example, by Yishmael, he was almost dead. Why we save Yishmael? Can you imagine we didn't save Yishmael? We have all the problems, all the Arabs. We would have no problem today. Why don't we kill him based on his future? Because Allah tells us, no, you don't kill a person based on his future. You judge the person right now. At that point, Yishmael was Zoche. He had the merit to live, so he lived. So too with this boy. Why are we killing him? So he wants to answer from the verse itself. It said, if a man will have a wayward rebellious son who does not listen to the voice of his father and to the voice of his mother and they discipline him, but he doesn't listen to them, then they should grab him and take him to the elders. What's the story with this kid? He has no relationship with his parents. He broke his relationship with his parents. That's what this kid did. So he wants to explain. When a person does tshuva, it means he goes back to the avos. Avraham, Yitzchak, Yaakov. His tshuva comes from inside of his soul. He wants to return to his roots, to his source. And if someone broke that, he won't do tshuva. If the boy goes off the way and the parents have the ability to keep the relationship with the kid, then the kid will come back. 
But if the kid gets to a situation where he has no connection to his parents, which means no connection to the Avos, the forefathers, which means no connection to Judaism, he's not going to come back. Because it was Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, they open up the wells of spirituality, the waters of spirituality comes from them. So if this person is drawing from the waters of the physical world, and he's in this bottomless pit, how can he get out? He has to return to Judaism. He has to draw from the waters of spirituality, from the Gemara, from the Talmud, from the Chumash, from all of our books, our holy books, and our base midrash, our house of study, and our house of prayer. That's how he's going to, that's where we're going to draw Aruchlius from. If this person has lost connection to Judaism, he won't come back and he won't be able to do it. He won't be Matzliak. He won't be successful. So what do we now need to do before Rosh Hashanah? First of all, we have to turn our eyes and our hearts away from our Vodazara, from drawing after the physicality of the world. We have to turn towards Ruchnius. And it will take us 30 days, the 30 days of Elul, to mourn over all of our nonsense and to start to reconnect. And then we'll start to see the light of our soul. We see the light of our soul. We'll want to come back more and more. The closer you get to the goal, the more desire you have to get there. And then we'll start to see spirituality in everything, the Nakuda of holiness, in every single thing. And we'll start to come close to God. And then on Rosh Hashanah, we'll be ready to re-accept the Torah, to connect with the Avos, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov, and to do Tshuva Shlema, and to stand before the King in purity and in holiness, to be blessed with a wonderful and great and holy and prosperous year filled with all the blessings that God wants to give us. Here is a powerful parable to open your mind and help you reach your potential. The Magi Madhul brings the same verse. If you should go to war against your enemies, and he wants to explain it with a muscle. He says two brothers are on this long journey. And along the way, these bandits capture them. And what's going to be? They take them. They want to take them to this fair. They're going to sell them as slaves. So they don't know what to do. They're in the back of this cart and they're taking them. So as they're going, one of the brothers notices they're about to go through a town. He says, let's jump out. Let's save ourselves. So the other brother says, no, what are you kidding me? If we jump out, we could break our leg. We could break our hand. Who knows what's going to happen? So the other brother says, fool, who cares if that happens? It's still 10 times better they're being sold as a slave. So what's the Nimshah? He says the war against the evil inclination is painful. It's difficult. It takes discipline. And the Yetzirah, your evil inclination, your Teva, your nature, ties you to your physical, like the guys were tied to the cart. So it's hard to break the ropes and jump out of the cart. And you might even get hurt. It's painful. It's painful to become spiritual. But how can that be compared to the eternal suffering of a lifetime of the soul that didn't jump out on time? It's time for Great Stories About Great Rabbis. So the verse of this week's Parsha says, Ki yikak ish isha, When a man marries a woman, we learn from here the mitzvah to get married. So one time, when Rabbi Shach was Rosh Hashiva, in the Panabit Yeshiva, he noticed that during Elo, the month before Rosh Hashanah, that the night seder was not very strong. And he realized there was a lot, a lot of weddings happening in the yeshiva. So the yeshiva workers used to go to the weddings, they used to miss their night seder. And this is right before Rosh Hashanah. So Rav Shach was greatly distressed by the situation. And he got up before the yeshiva and he said, he says, perhaps you're going to make fun of an old man like me who needs God's mercy every day. I'm talking about next year, he says. 
Nevertheless, I feel I cannot keep silent. I am warning you and letting you know in advance that next year, not a single student will attend a single wedding in the month of Elo. This is an absolute ruling, with no excuses and no exceptions. So afterwards, the students asked, no matter what the good reason is not to get married, how can you push off the mitzvah of getting married? This is a mitzvah from the Torah. So Rav Shach answered, I didn't say that no one can get married. I just said that the yeshiva guys can't go to the wedding. Learn to give, love, and communicate. This is Peace in Your Home. So Moshe Ironstone explains that a spouse comes from heaven. It says in Gemara Mokutten. From the Torah and the prophets and the writings, we see that a spouse comes from heaven. So you say, why specifically a wife? Everything comes from heaven. Everything's a minishamayim. Everything that happens to a person, God sent them. The answer is no. It's obvious. What's the difference? Is when a man meets his spouse, it's obvious that Hashem was behind this whole story. And when he brings Uriah, we know that Yisrael saved Moshe. Yisrael was an advisor to Paro. And Paro wanted to kill Moshe. And all the advisors said, yeah, kill him. But Yisrael said, no, let's do a test. We're going to put in front of him gold and put in front of him fire, whatever he chooses. If he chooses the gold, it means he's a Russian. If he chooses the, the, the coals, it means he's okay. It happened to be he chose the coals. We know that's why Moshe had a speech impediment. But basically what he did, he wound up saving Moshe. Who, Yisrael? That was Moshe's father-in-law. In the end, this boy was his daughter's husband. And not only that, when Moshe Rabbeinu got there, there these, the shepherds were about to kill the daughters of Yisrael. They're going to throw them in the water. That's what the Midrash says. And Moshe Rabbeinu saved him. So again, Moshe Rabbeinu saved his own wife. And so in every story of how a person met his wife or how a wife met her husband, there's a lot of Ashkaka Pratis. This one knew that one and he pumped into that one. He spoke to this person. It's all Minishamayim. It all comes from heaven. So one time they asked the Chazanish. They said, listen, doesn't make any sense. How can a person fight a zivuk? If the person asked the girl's friend, so the girl's friend is going to say something good about the girl. But if the person asked the girl's enemy, she's going to say something bad. So how does this all work? So the Chazanish explained, no, Hashem will make it when they're making Shaduchim, that the people will speak to the friends of the girl and they hear only good things. So one time, he brings a story to Svas Emes, that they asked about the Shaduch, and the Svas Emes says, no, this Shaduch is Bini Shemaim. So they thought it was strange because the Svas Emes never speaks like that, that the Shaduch is Bini Shemaim. So the Svas Emes explained, no, I know. He said, you know what? Yesterday a man came to me and he says, I have grown daughters and I have no money. And everybody in the town opposes me. And I only have one friend in town. How's my daughter going to get married? So the Svasama said, and today, what happened? Another man came and said, there's a girl in town here that somebody said that she's a very good girl. And that was that guy's daughter. So the Svasama said, understood. This guy must have spoke to the one friend of that family. He says, well, it's not Minishamayim. Obviously, it's Minishamayim. How could it be out of the entire town that the guy spoke to the one friend of that other guy? But the one thing that can't stop it is the person themselves, Lolo And he brings down, he says that some people have demands for wealth, for wisdom, and they're waiting for that special one, and they can wait and wait and wind up not getting married at all. And he brings an example, the Yalkut said, and this is why Nadav of Avaviu, that was their sin, they failed to get married. What did they say? They said, our paternal uncle is the king. Our maternal uncle is the Nasi. Our father is the Kohen Gadol. Wow, are we going to get married to any girl? And what happened? Because they were arrogant. They wound up never getting married and they got punished because of that. So even though we know the Shaduchim, Aminu Shemayim, we have to be careful not to be arrogant and to accept 
the person that's for you. Okay, that's it for this week's Torah podcast. I hope you enjoyed it. Please share it with your friends. And please check out the free course that I'm giving at the Global Yeshiva on the essentials of Torah logic. Thank you for listening. To get more enthusiasm for your Judaism, become a free member at globalyeshiva.com.